0: This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast.
1: We are your study buddies for neonatology topics.
0: I'm Dr. Ben Korsha.
1: And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbeau.
0: Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back um, to the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. It is Thursday, and we are doing neurology questions. Daphne, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, buddy. We're doing. We're just chugging through the week. I think that's right. <laughs> okay, um, we had a good discussion about uh, neurologic uh, developmental problems yesterday, and there are a number of questions on this in this section. I think it's super high yield. Mm -hmm. so we were just kind of going to go through this
0: table i think we don't like to do these questions because it's like what is it uh match matching is it matching yeah Yeah, it's
1: matching matching with like eight choices it's too hard to do audio but i think we can still go over we we can totally summary no i don't want to do this. who's
0: who's asking the question is it you or me
1: oh then i'll ask the question
0: then if you want to do it this way Um, Okay, I don't mind. But the way we so I'll
1: tell you the choices.
0: Exactly, go over the different. uh, This is what we'll do.
1: So you you want to know what are the developmental processes? Okay, um, is it a problem of primary or secondary neuralation? Okay, primary happens early, early three to four weeks. That's why it's primary. Secondary happens at four to seven weeks gestation. Do you want me to go over the associated anomalies or no? Not yet.
0: Not yet. Let's just okay, talk about, fine. let's talk about All the right. things we're going to have to assign.
1: Right. And then the next developmental process is prosencephalic development. So that's when ventral induction happens. This is when things are <laughs> cleaving and moving. Um, this is at two to three months gestation. Then once you kind of have the anatomy in place, then you have neural and glial proliferation. Then happens three to four months gestation. That makes sense. Once then you get the neurons um, there, then they have to migrate. Next is neuronal migration, three to five months gestation. After they've migrated, gotten to where they're going to go, then they have to organize. Neuronal organization, that happens between three months gestation to birth, then all the way through synaptic rearrangements. That happens birth to years after delivery. And then the final developmental process is myelination. Um, This really happens birth uh, to years. Some aspects of myelination are not complete until adulthood. So then then we have all of these problems of um, the developmental processes. So I'll tell you the thing and you'll tell me what.
0: All right. So to summarize, we have. You're going to give me a list of, I forget how many that is, uh, from A to M, Problems. different pathologies. yeah. And then we have four possibilities, either neuronal migration, neuronal organization, primary neurulation, and prosencephalic development. So these are, it can be only one of those four each time. So we're going to try to go through them.
1: Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. You're going to be good at this. I know that. Okay, a genesis a genesis of the corpus callosum.
0: Yeah, so that's prosencephalic development. I think about this from the standpoint of uh you got to form like the big blob that will be the brain and then you're going to mm-hmm. have to split it into two, right? Um I think about this because of I think of schizencephaly where the right the the holes in the brain the, the I think of separation when when we say those words and so I think uh the corpus callosum is when that separation is should be helping with that separation. So I think Agenesis is prosencephalic development.
1: Okay, just to be clear, when you say schizencephaly, no cortex, that actually is a problem of neuronal migration. So oh, I just want to, I just want to not confuse them. Oh. But you were correct about um, uh, the fact that anenceph or, I'm sorry, agenesis of the corpus callosum is part of the prosencephalic development. So, prosencephalic development, you were right. I think it's when all of the by hemispheric crossing things, all the yeah. midline stuff. So you don't get cleavage, you have holoprosencephaly, abnormal midline development, agenesis of the corpus callosum, agenesis of the
0: septum pellucidum, septo optic dysplasia. That's always very very dangerous when the thing that helps you remember the correct answer is based on <laughs> <like, and> the right. <laughs> it's not the right concept. That's never good. Okay. All right. I'm gonna give you another one. Okay, anencephaly. So anencephaly is like one of the primary things, right? It's about like just creating the brain. So that should be primary neural relation.
1: That's right. Very early on. It just just did not form correctly. Okay. Mm -hmm. What about Angelman syndrome? No clue. Okay, so Angelman syndrome, one of our uh, genetic disorders, okay, that really is a problem of neuronal organization. Hmm. So um, disorders of organization. So you see that in trisomy 21, fragile X, autism, Angelman syndrome, even in prematurity.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, Um, Arnold Chiari malformation.
0: Well, I'm fortunate enough that we spoke about that yesterday, and you Uh said primary neuralation.
1: That's right. So happens very early on, you know, what is like the real kind of anatomy happening, primary. Mm -hmm. Um, I gave you this hint already, autism.
0: Yeah, neuronal organization.
1: That's right. Fragile X. Uh,
0: Fragile X, um, I don't know. I'm going to say neuronal organization again. That's right. Okay. Holoprosencephaly. Well, I mean, I am going to say prosencephalic development.
1: That's right. It's in the name, okay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, very good. So, um when the um when you know there's a problem with the cleavage, you get holoprosencephaly, okay? Mm-hmm.
0: Um lissencephaly. is neuronal migration. That's Let's right. Talk, we spoke about that yesterday as well, right? That's right.
1: Myelomeningocele.
0: Ooh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Myelomeningocele. It's not in the it's not in the skull, so how am I supposed to know that?
1: I know. I know. <laughs> but uh, this thing is developing at about the same time.
0: <laughs> that's true. Um that's interesting. Mm, I would say primary neuralation?
1: So close. It's in the same category. Um it's it's it is, it is part of primary neuralation, neuralation. Um, I think mostly depending on where it is, okay? But, but technically, the myelomeningocele is primary neuralation. Uh, when you get into meningocele, lipomeningoceles, myelocystoceles, lipomas, tethered cords, those are secondary neuralation. Um, but myelomeningocele, encephalocele, those are in primary neuralation. So, brain, spinal cord, except the lower sacral segment is primary neuralation.
0: Very good. A, okay. Okay. That's what, that's what yeah. I am like. That's what I said.
1: Yeah. I, it just, <laughs> I think, depends where it is. Fine. So, if it was in the lower sacral segment. Fine. But yes, you got it correct. Okay. Okay. Uh, pa- patchy gyria.
0: Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't uh, think about that very often, thankfully, but I'm assuming gyra. Has to do with the, the gyra of the brain. So I'm going to say neuronal migration again, just like uh, this. Encephaly.
1: Yeah, that's right. So any so that will help you with polymicrogyria. Yeah, same. Okay. And schizencephaly.
0: Well, thankfully, you told me now that <laughs> I shouldn't think of schizencephaly and prosencephalic development together that's because right. you said neuronal um, migration.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. And then trisomy 21.
0: Trisomy 21? I mean it's I guess it's another one of these syndromes, so I'm gonna say neuronal organizations. Very well. Okay. I think you did pretty good. I survived. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Alright, you're next. Question 49. Uh Daphne, which of the following statement is true about brachial plexus injuries? Choice I told you
1: they were coming. Told oh, yeah, you. They're
0: always coming. <laughs> Um, Choice A, Herb-Duchenne palsy is associated with absent palmar grasp and biceps reflexes. Um, Choice B, Klumpke's palsy occurs more commonly than Herb-Duchenne palsy. Choice C, large for gestational age infants are at increased risk of brachial plexus injury. Choice D, lower brachial plexus roots are more vulnerable to birth-related trauma. And choice E, only a small number of brachial plexus injuries are unilateral. We're looking for the true statement. Sorry,
1: I, I was muted. Okay, there's a lot of things going on in my house right now. Okay, this this these you got to know, but I mean... They gave me a very easy, true answer here. Like, I know that large for gestational age infants are at increased risk of brachial plexus injuries. Uh, I'm yep. pretty sure that's the true statement. But let me let me look. Herb duchenne palsy is associated with absent palmar grasp and biceps reflexes. So Herb duchenne is your waiter's tip. Mm-hmm. Um, Clump keys, I feel like, uh, is where you have a clumsy hand. So the kind of like claw-like but that's where you have the absent Palmer grasp. So A is false. Mm-hmm. Klumpke's palsy occurs more often than herb duchenne palsy. Uh, that's false because it's the upper brachial plexus roots that are most vulnerable to birth-related trauma. So that makes D false. Only a small number of brachial plexus injuries are unilateral. No, most are unilateral, uh, <sighs> given the nature of the um, injury. So I guess C.
0: Very good. Very good. Um, so large for gestational age infants are indeed at risk of brachial plexus injury. And these injuries are estimated to occur with an incidence of about 0. 0.5 to 2 per 1000 births. Uh, they result from stretching of the nerve plexus and the roots at the time of delivery. Now, the part of the plexus and the roots that are more at risk are the upper roots due to traction and injury compared to the lower roots. 90% of brachial plexus injuries are unilateral and the injury more often occurs in the right hand than the left hand. Um, large for gestational age infants are at increased risk to birth related injury. Uh, when we're talking about Herb Duchenne palsy, which involves uh, the upper roots C5 through C7, it is more common than Klumke's palsy because that's on the lower roots C8 to T1. And as you mentioned, Herb Duchenne is the waiter's tip with the adduction and internal rotation of the arm, extension of the elbow, pronation of the forearm, flexed wrist, and flexed fingers. The biceps reflex is generally absent while the palmar grasp remains intact. That's how the waiter can collect his money. That's correct. <laughs> That's a good way to remember that. Clomkey's <laughs> palsy is, um, is rare um, in isolation and evident by weakness of the flexor of the wrist and fingers, and finger abduction. The biceps and grasp reflex are often both absent. Infants who go uh, on to have infants who go on to have full recovery after a brachial plexus injury often show improvement by two weeks, um, and recovery by six months of age. I think about ninety-five percent recover within that time frame. Uh, residual impairment at fifteen months of life is usually synonymous with permanent. Uh, impairment. So that's kind of scary. Okay. Okay. Good. Really I'll good. See. I'll see you tomorrow, buddy. Sounds good. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to NICUpodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at NICUpodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.